All right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us here this morning at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Uh, we, this is actually a rerun re because we're hearing that there's no sound, so we're trying to make sure we have some sound this morning. So this is our first message on uh, talking about experiencing the blessing of God. I'm not going to have my regular introductions that I have normally, and we're just going to jump right into the message this morning because this is kind of actually a, re, a retrial, uh, trying to make sure that we have sound. So I'm stalling a little bit, making sure I'm hearing from my wife that we have sound. So uh, please, please text us in the comment if the sound stops. We're having some uh, technical challenges this morning. So we're talking about experiencing the blessing of God. This is part one, and I don't know how many lessons we'll have. So let's go back to our key verse this morning. Uh, those of you that haven't heard it, we're just gonna we're just gonna reteach everything we taught so far. So Proverbs ten twenty two is our main scripture we're gonna at least use here in part one, and it says the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. <coughs> the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. As I introduce this topic of the blessing of the Lord, I want to look at this key verse. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. There's three words or phrases in this word I want to look at real quick in the Hebrew. The blessing of the, the, blessing of the Lord makes one rich and no sorrow. I want to look at those three words in the Hebrew real quick. Making sure, because some people, when they read this verse, they try to, maybe because they don't understand it, I don't know what the reason is, but they, they twist this word, thinking that it doesn't mean what it, means, what it sounds like it's saying. Well, let's look at the Hebrew real quick, okay? The word blessing real quick means blessing, prosperity, present, or gift. It also means treaty of peace. It's a blessing, it's not a curse. You know, how I many a blessing... Is a gift. It's not something you earn. It's a present. It's it means prosperity. So many people don't like that word prosperity, especially in the church. We're going to deal with that word because the word salvation, Yeshua, and the word salvation and in the, in, in the Hebrew, Yeshua, and the word soteria in the in the Greek, the word salvation means prosperity. And we're going to look at this very clearly. That you know, I don't know why people are taboo about prosperity. I mean, I. I don't, I don't know where people get the concept that it's more noble to be poor. I just don't understand that. And so, and then let's look at this phrase, makes one rich, ashar in, in the Hebrew. And it means to become, to be or become rich or wealthy. It means to gain riches. It's very clear. Basically, when the, Bible, when the Hebrew, especially in this verse, says to make one rich, it means exactly what it sounds like. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. <coughs> Excuse me. Now there's a third word here in Proverbs 10, 22. I want to look at the word sorrow. And the word sorrow means pain or toil. It means hard labor. And it means hardship. It's the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich. Not your sorrow. Not your hard labor. Okay. In other words, your success, anything, any good thing that you have, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Does it not? And it's a gift. It's not by your sorrow. At the same point in time, when God blesses you, it's not about your pain, it's not about your toil, and it's not about your hard labor. <coughs> Excuse me. Your blessing is based on God and his goodness, not what you do. At the same point in time, 
there is an aspect of work that goes with the blessing of the Lord. So I'm going to kind of go on both sides of the fence here because we need to get a proper balance here. Does that make sense? It's all about God. It's not about you. At the same point in time, I am not teaching that we're supposed to be passive. I'm not teaching we're supposed to be complacent. I'm not teaching that we're supposed to be lazy. Jesus said, occupy until I come. We are not saved by our good works. We are saved for good works. There's a difference. We are saved to do good works. We're not saved because of our good works. The word saved, sozo, means prosperity. It means healing. It means wholeness. It means deliverance. But it also means prosperity. But you are not going to be rich or blessed. Let me just say that. Let me rephrase that. You're not going to be blessed. There's some rich people out there that are not blessed. But I'm talking about the blessing that the Lord makes one rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. Okay? But when we talk about finances, now this teaching about the blessing of the Lord is not just about finances. But we're going to deal with finances. Because finances is part of one, part of those is one of the aspects of the blessing of the Lord. It's not the only aspect of the blessing of the Lord, but it's one primary one in the context that we're going to be talking about. <coughs> but in, in, in other teachings, and when we have taught about finances, we have asked several questions. One of them is, what do you believe about God, and what do you believe about yourself? Because what you believe about God, what you believe about yourself, affects your receiver. In other words, what you believe connects you with what you receive. Sometimes the problem is not with, the, let me rephrase that. Sometimes the problem is with the receiver. You know, we're having some technical challenges this morning, and something's not connecting. And because it's not connecting properly, we're not seeing the reception of, of whatever we're trying to do, whether it be audio or whether it be visual, whatever the case might be. If things are not connected properly, for whatever the reason is, we're not going to receive. And it's the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich. And we need, how many know everything is based on what we believe? We're called believers. We, the whole reason we got saved, we heard the gospel, believe the gospel, we're saved. Jesus has died for the whole world, but it's only those who believe the gospel are going to receive. Those who don't believe the gospel don't receive salvation. And salvation includes prosperity. Okay? So when we talk about finances, we only talk about what you believe about God yourself, but we also talk about what are you speaking? Because how many know that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? Whatever you really believe in is really what you're speaking. But Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. James talks along, along, along these lines too in James chapter 3. The death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Whatever you say, you will eat its fruit. Okay? I want to speak life, not death. I want to, you might not like your job. You might not like your circumstance. You know, maybe you don't like your home or your car or your job. I'm going to bless, while I'm there, I'm going to bless my job. While I'm there, I'm going to bless that car. While I'm there, I'm going to bless this house or whatever. The case. I'm going to bless it. I'm going to speak life, not death. I'm going to bless the things God has given me, not curse them. Okay? Now, there's some things God hasn't given me. For example, God did not give me sickness. It's part of the curse. I'm going to curse it. I'm going to curse lack. I'm going to curse poverty. I'm going to bless 
what God has blessed, I'm going to curse what God has cursed. Okay? Well, when we talk about finances, we also talk about work. Some people don't like that word either. Some people don't like the word prosperity, and some people don't like the word work. Think that it's all by grace. It's all you are saved. You are not saved by your works, but you are saved for good works. Two different things. You are not saved because you do well, but you are saved to do something. Jesus said, "Occupy until I come." Paul said this way in Thessalonians. For even when we were, we were with you, we commanded you. Some people think in the New Testament there's no command. Well, Paul didn't get that memo. Because Paul commanded us, if anyone did not work, he shall not eat. I've said many times that, you know, we're a small church. We work out of our home. We uh, share, We have this church out of our home. We are a small church locally. We, are, we have a lot of followers uh, internationally and, and around the nation and whatnot. But... but Sometimes we get people coming and asking for a handout. <coughs> we're here to bless people. And I'm going to be talking about that a little bit more in this teaching. But we're blessed to be a blessing. But at the same point in time, you know, if someone comes to work looking for a handout, thinking that we're a church, because a lot of people are looking for church. You know, we got a lot of people, even across the world, some of people who have listened. I'm not trying to pick on anyone. Some of you are looking for a handout uh, from us. And so, but if... You know, and I, I'm not, what I'm going to say right now really doesn't speak speak to some of you internationally. But if you're here locally asking for maybe a free meal or gas in the tank, I'm going to put you to work. I might not hire you as an employee or anything, but you can do something. And you can go rake the leaves. You can go do something. You can go pull the wheat. I can put you to work for a little while. Not just to give you busy work, but if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. So I am not helping you. If I just give you a free meal and you don't, and you're not working, you know, even in seasons when Sherry and I didn't have anything, we've had those seasons. We've been and, and, and very. We had a season where we lost everything for five years, and we were looking hard to try to find work. But in that season, we found ways to volunteer. We found ways to do something. You know, we weren't just going to be idle. We weren't just going to do nothing. Being idle is is, is, is is not healthy. It's not healthy physically. It's not healthy spiritually. It's not healthy emotionally and mentally. It's just not healthy. I understand, you know, even if you're bedbound because of an illness, and I understand you being bedbound, you can't do anything, that's still not healthy. It's not healthy. You, you know, and that's why you get bed sores and everything. It's just not healthy. Uh, God created your body to live and do stuff. If you are bedbound, then we need to speak life over you and healing so that you get off and get back on your feet. You know? Anyway, let me get off this horse about work. In other words, there is an aspect of work that goes along with the blessing of law, blessing of the Lord. Yet there are people who work really hard and never get ahead. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Pain and toil and hardship is not what the blessing is all about. God wants us to work and bless the work of our hands. The blessing of God is not with sorrow. He wants to bless the work of our hands because he says in Psalm 90, verse 17, one of our favorite verses, and let the beauty of the Lord be our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. It is foolish to expect God to bless the work of your hands if you're not putting your hands to anything. 
even if you go work at McDonald's or something or whatever, and I understand there's different seasons of life, maybe you're retired or whatnot, that's not your season to work and volunteer, but you can do something. You know, if you're spending, if all you're doing, I mean, there's all kinds, I don't know what some people do in other countries and whatnot, some people here, they they'll watch TV all day or whatever the case may be, you know, or expecting God to do something. And I understand that, you know, if you're retired, enjoy your retirement life. But I also encourage you, I've talked to as many people who are retired, to do something. You know, I don't, whatever, however that might be long and short that might be, you can write letters to people. There's people in prison and jail, you can write letters to them. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. Don't be idle. God wants to bless the work of your hands. Do something, you know. Um, and if you don't have anything to do, well, there's a bunch of people you can be praying for. So... Uh, and so anyway, there's a, uh, work. Work is an aspect of the blessing of God. But we also, when we talk about finances, we also talk about stewardship. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about that, but being stewards not only of our money, but also being good stewards of our time. Time is money. And so being a good steward. And when we talk about finances, we also talk about giving. Giving is a main aspect of finances. Jesus said this way, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. There's a lot about giving. Actually, if you really study the New Testament, Jesus talked about finances more than he talked about faith. Okay? I don't think he was exalting finances over faith, but he did talk about the subject more. Why? Because we all have to deal with finances. Okay? And there's a lot of other reasons. Jesus even said, actually, if we can't trust God in finances, Jesus said finances were the least thing. If we can't trust God with the least thing, how are we going to trust Him with more? Okay, Proverbs 10.22, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. In this teaching, we're talking about experiencing the blessing of God. That was just a little introduction, a prelude to this, this message. Does that make sense? Okay. In this teaching, though, I'm going to be talking about three main things. The covenant of blessing, the priestly blessing, and the commanded blessing. Today I'm going to be focusing on the first one, the covenant blessing. And then the I don't know if I'll get done with this one today, but then we'll talk about the priestly blessing and the commanded blessing. Okay? So today we're going to be talking about the covenant of blessing. First of all, let's look at this. God created us for the blessing. God, In other words, God created us to bless us. We're going to be looking at six different people in the Old Testament how about regarding the covenant of blessing. And in each six of these people are going to fill in this, this phrase, God spoke the blessing to so-and-so, and so-and-so operated in the blessing. The first one we're going to look at is Adam. God spoke the blessing to Adam, or mankind, and Adam, or mankind, operated in the blessing. The first one is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, talking about Adam and Eve. And then God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that you'll see which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit you'll see to you, and every tree whose fruit you'll see to you, it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, 
in which there's life, I have given every green herb for food, and so it was so. Here to Adam and Eve in Genesis 1, 28 to 30, God blessed them. Okay? He blessed them. And God gave them dominion, which means authority, and God also empowered them to reproduce. He said, every seed to he said in Genesis 1, 1.11 that every seed shall reproduce after its own kind. Every tree, every plant, every animal, every insect, everything was able to, even mankind itself was able to reproduce. God blessed them. He gave them dominion, which means authority. Did he not? We just read that. God also empowered them to reproduce every seed according to its kind. Okay? Let me just go off on this just for a minute, what I just said, and we'll get, we'll, we'll get right back to our message. If God's called you to do something, then he's also giving you the ability to do it. I believe that wholeheartedly. If God has called, God has not called you to do something that he has not given you the ability to do it. For example, Jesus told the disciples twice to feed the multitudes. Jesus ended up Multiplying the loaves and the bread to feed the multitudes. But that's not how the story started. The story started in both instances when Jesus fed the 5,000 and when he fed the 4,000. Before he multiplied the boys' lunch, before they even found the boys' lunch, Jesus told the disciples to feed the multitudes. They, both times, they, they didn't know, they didn't, they didn't think they had the ability, they didn't think they had the resources. Yeah, Jesus told them to do. Why would Jesus tell them to do something they didn't have the ability to do? That doesn't make sense. Okay? Jesus ended up demonstrating, I believe, what they were supposed to do. Multiply the loaves. And maybe they didn't know it the first time, but the second time around should have been a little easier. And yet they fell to death. And we got people all the time asking for money. And I'm not saying it's wrong to have support. You know? You know? I mean, I can talk about tithing and supporting. Paul talked about this big time in Titus, Timothy, Thessalonians, and Philippians. He talked about it big time how we support the, the ministry. And some of you have some of you have not supported us. Very, it's a very small percentage of the tens of thousands of people who who, who watch our teachings. Less than one percent of you actually tithe or, or support this ministry. I'm not talking about that. That's not my the scope of this teaching, but it's true. But God has called you to do something. He's given you the ability to do it. Even if you have to do a miracle to do what God's called you to do it, you have the ability. I just talked about walking in the anointing. We have the ability, we have the authority to do what God's called us to do, even if we have to change the water into wine. Even if we have to move the Red Sea. Even if God has to bring manna. Whatever it is, God has given you the ability to do what God has called. How many know we are born of God? And we, the supernatural should be the norm, not the abnormal. In, in fact, let me to piggyback on what I just said here. Paul said, he who calls you is faithful who will also do it. He who calls you is faithful who will also do it. We even have a verse behind us. Commit your way to him. Trust also in him. And he will bring it to pass. 
He is faithful who has called you. Let me just say this, and I've heard this from Lawson Purdue, our pastor, and, uh, and he, he, he has adopted this phrase, and I, and, I, and I like it too. He says, I have everything I need to do what God has called me to do. And I want to say that. I encourage you to say that wherever you are in the world. You have everything you need to do what God has called you to do. And to add on to that, you have no lack in any area of your life. There is no lack in any, there's no lack in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of increase. And thirdly, I am blessed and highly favored the Lord. I want to put all three of these together. I have everything I need to do. What, let me rephrase that. I have everything I need to do what God has called me to do. I have no lack in any area of my life. And I am blessed and highly favored of the Lord. You are a child of God. You are his beloved. And going back here to Genesis 1.28 with Adam. God blessed them. He gave them dominion and authority, and he empowered them to reproduce and gave them ability. He went on to say in Genesis 5, 2, he created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind, and that day they were created. So we look at Adam, but now let's look at Noah. God spoke the blessing to Noah, and Noah operated in the blessing. Okay? Genesis 9, 1. And so God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God blessed Adam and God blessed Noah. We're talking about the covenant of blessing. We're talking about experiencing the blessing of God. But in this segment of our teaching, we're talking about the covenant of blessing. And God blessed Adam and God blessed Noah. And you might not hear the word covenant. But it says in Psalm 89, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. God's word is a covenant. If God says something, it's a covenant. It might not have the word or phrase covenant attached to it, but God says, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that goes out of my lips. I know that God, if God's blessed me, then I am blessed. Okay, if my blessing is not based on the government, my blessing is not based on COVID, my blessing is not based on the economy, my blessing is not based on anyone else, my blessing is not even based on me. My blessing is based on the Word of God. And we, we either believe His Word, or we don't. Some of us, including me at times, we believe our circumstances more than we believe God. Most of us, at many times, have more faith in the situation than we do what God said. God said we were blessed. Do we believe that? Or do we believe what the government says, or our bank account says, or our wallet says, or our purse, or wherever you hold your money, or your, or your blessings, or your situation? God Bless Noah and his sons. And he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. <coughs> he said, My covenant I will not break. So God blessed, God spoke the blessing to Adam and Noah, and Adam and Noah operated the blessing. 
Now let's go to the third one. This one we're going to spend a little more time on. But God spoke the blessing to Abraham. And Abraham operated in the blessing. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. We have a lot. There's nine different times where God blessed Abraham. Okay? But we're not going to necessarily look at all nine of them. But we'll, we'll get a big chunk of them. Now the Lord said to Abraham, 12, Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, get, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in all families of the earth shall... In, I'm sorry. In you... All families of the earth shall be blessed. Let me rephrase that last part again. And you, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. One of the reasons God blesses us is for us to be a blessing. God wants you to be blessed. But one of the main reasons that God blesses you is so that you can be a blessing. Okay? He said that. He basically said the same thing to Adam. He basically said the same thing to Noah. And he's saying that same thing to Abraham. Let's go to Deuteronomy 8.18 real quick. And you shall remember... <coughs> excuse me. And you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is He who gives you power to get wealth. That He may establish His covenant. Which He swore to your fathers as it is to this day. This is not about Abraham. I can take this back to, to um, Moses and whatnot. But God says, it's, it's he who gives you the power to get wealth. That sounds a lot like Proverbs 10.22 where we start off. He's the one that gives you power to get wealth. Why does he do it? So that he can establish his covenant. Let's look at this word power real quick. Okay, the word power in the Hebrew, it means force, it means might, it means strength, it means ability, but it also means wealth. This word koach in the, in, in the Hebrew also means, yes, it means force, might, strength, and ability. God gives you the ability to get wealth. This goes back to what we just talked about the disciples. God, if God's called you to do something, he's giving you the ability to go do it. Or you're like, but I... God called me to be to have us. <coughs> God called me to, to feed the poor. God called me to, 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 to feed the orphans. Well, God's also giving you the ability. If you have to turn rocks into bread, so be it. You know, we were ministering down in Costa Rica several years ago, and this one gentleman, he was he lived in a poor community. He seemed like he was poor himself from uh, from our observation. But he had this passion and desire to feed the community. So he got this big bowl. I mean, this was huge bowl. Bowl. He put water in it. He didn't even have the food, the, the vegetables to put into the soup. And as he prayed over this, this soup, vegetables began to just appear in the soup. Potatoes, carrots, whatnot. They just began to appear. If you got to do a miracle, you have the ability to have a miracle. To do what God's called you to do. Don't limit yourself. Okay? God gives you the power to get well. But why? Why does God give you the power to get well? To establish his covenant with you. Yet some people don't like this 
idea of prosperity. So you tell me you don't like the covenant of God? I mean, God wants to establish his covenant. Okay? I, he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God blesses us to be a blessing. But he goes on to say in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let me just take a, a side rail on here about this first part. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. I would be careful about who I speak curses over. Okay? Because he says he will curse those who curse you. I, in my life, there are some people, it is clear the blessing of God is on them. I may not agree with them. I may not even like them. But I will not speak negative about them. There, there's people, there are ministers, I may not agree with them, but I'm not going to speak negative about them. Okay? But the hand and blessing of God is on them. Okay? And I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I have a hard time with that sometimes, especially when it's a minister. The reason I have a hard time with that sometimes is because I'm seeing that this minister is misleading other people. And I, that just angers me. At the same point in time, be careful. Because he says he will curse those who curse you. Okay? He says, again, going back to Genesis 12. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God entered into a covenant. God entered a covenant of blessing with Abraham. Paul echoes on the same thing in Galatians chapter eight. Uh, chapter three, excuse me, verse eight. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are faith are blessed with faith believing in Abraham. We're talking about Abraham. But going back quick, when God said this, that in you all the nations shall be blessed, Paul called out the gospel. The gospel being preached to Abraham before him, saying, In the you, all the nations shall be blessed. Because what does that mean? That means if you and I have faith in Jesus, we are blessed too. And with all the favor of Abraham. I'm going to bring this out later on in our teaching, but I'll come back to this. But this is the gospel. Some people think I'm not teaching the gospel. Some people call what I'm talking about now the gospel of prosperity. I, you know, I dispute that. There is no God. Prosperity gospel. There's only one gospel, and it's called the gospel of Christ. And God, Paul called this the gospel to Abraham. Okay. Genesis 30, even Genesis 32, I'm going to come back to this verse a little bit later. But Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. Let's go back to Genesis 12 real quick. Now the Lord has said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. See, when God told us to Abraham, Abraham partially obeyed God. <laughs> he, he did leave his country, but he also took Lot with him. Lot, 
Lot was not mentioned in this statement. Yeah, he took Lot with him, okay? Some of us have partially obeyed God, okay? He took his Lot, Lot, his nephew, with him. And both began to prosper. Strife rose between their herdsmen as, as, their, as their herds began to grow. And Lot went towards Sodom and Gomorrah the east, and Abraham went towards Jerusalem the west. <coughs> I'm going this way because I don't want to spend time reading the whole story. Lot got into a challenge where nine different kings attacked him. We see this in Genesis 14. And he took his people, he took his spoils, and he took his, himself. He took, they took Lot and his family. And in Genesis 4.14, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house, and he went in pursuit as far as Dan. Skipping down to verse 16, and so he brought back all the goods, and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And when Abram came back, the king of Sodom met him, and also the king of Jerusalem, Melchizedek, met him as well. Who's Melchizedek? I'm just going to go off this, this real quick, and then we'll get back to our teaching. But Melchizedek is a type of Christ. He's a priest king. He's not just a king. He's a priest king. That wasn't allowed in the Levitical law, but he was a priest king. But he's a type of Christ. Because Jerusalem also meant the city of peace. And when I mean the type of Christ, we read in Hebrews chapter 7 that Jesus is our great high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He was not, he's not our priest after the order of Levi. He's after the order of Melchizedek, who is a king priest. And it says in Hebrews 7 that Jesus is our king of righteousness and that he is our king of peace as well. That's just a little side, side trail. We'll come back to Melchizedek in a little bit here in this story, because the, the king of Sodom, Sodom offered to bless Abraham for rescuing Lot and his people. But Abraham said, I don't want anything from you except the food that the young men have eaten. He also said, I don't want anything, I don't want anyone to say, you, the king of Sodom, bless me. Abraham didn't want to be known as one who was blessed by the king of Sodom. But Melchizedek, the king of Salem, of Jerusalem, brought out bread and wine that speaks of the covenant, that speaks of the cross, and he was a priest of the God Most High. <coughs> so bread and wine. Bread and wine speaks of a type of a covenant. Even in Jewish customs, even just to have a meal together was a mini covenant. If you understand Jewish covenant, even having a meal, even breaking bread together, is a mini covenant. Okay, bread and wine is a type of covenant. And, the, and he's also, Melchizedek is also the priest of the Most High God, which is, we already talked about, he's a type of Christ. Hebrews 7 talks a lot about this. But let's go back here to Genesis 14. And he, Melchizedek, blessed him, Abram, and said, Blessed be Abram, God Most High possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he, Abraham, gave him, Melchizedek, a tithe of all. There's a lot here. 
Aaron Perdue, who's uh, lost a Perdue's son, this is his one of his favorite verses, where Melchizedek blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be the Abraham the God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Blessed be the God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abraham gave Melchizedek a tie of law. Let's look at this real quick, this whole context. There is a covenant going on between Melchizedek, the great high priest, a type of Christ, and Abraham. Melchizedek blessed Abraham before Abraham gave the tithe. Abraham did not get a tithe after he was blessed. Abraham, Melchizedek blessed Abraham before he gave the tithe. But let's also consider this. Abraham did not pay a tithe. Abraham gave a tithe. Big difference. Paying a tithe sounds like it's a debt. It sounds like it's a bill. We don't have a bill. We give it as a gift. Okay? Hebrews 7 says it this way. Even Levi, who, who's Levi? Levi is the, the priesthood in the Old Testament. Levi is the priesthood under the Mosaic law. Okay? But Jesus is our high priest after the order of Melchizedek, not after the order of Levi. He says, and Levi, who receives tithes under the law, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. This is Hebrews. This is New Testament. Some people don't think tithing in the New Testament. We need to read the Bible. Okay? Even Levi, the law, they think we're redeemed from the curse of the law. We are redeemed from the curse of the law. We're not, we're not tithing to Levi. We are tithing to Jesus, the great high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Levi, who received tithes under the Mosaic law, paid tithes through Abraham. The Bible says that, not me. Okay? For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Levi paid tithes through Abraham. Okay? Abraham did not pay a tithe, he gave a tithe. And Abraham did it, but Levi received the benefit. Jesus gave himself to satisfy the debt of every generation. I, anyway, I was going to go a different direction. I'm not going to go all of this right now. But when I think of when I see all of this, because Melchizedek is a type of Christ. And Jesus gave himself so we could be blessed. Abraham gave a tithe, and Levi was blessed. Okay? It goes on to say, Hebrews 7 8, Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. In other words, I don't pay tithe to Levi, the law. I tithe to my great high priest and king, Jesus, who lives forevermore. I am not tithing to mortal man. I am tithing to my king and my priest, Jesus, who lives forevermore. I give my tithe to Jesus. Melchizedek blessed Abraham before he gave. And Jesus blessed us before we give. In other words, Ross Berdue, our pastor, says it this way. I don't want anyone in this church to pay tithe out of a debt that they owe. They have a seat that they sell. 
I want people to, I encourage people to give their tithes. I encourage our big time. I don't encourage people to pay their tithes. It's a mindset. But if you don't owe me anything, if there's any blessing that came from God, but I also, just like Abraham blessed Melchizedek, I want to bless Jesus and give after he gives to me. Anyway, hopefully you're getting something out of that. But Genesis 14 says, And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him the temple. Now, Kazdak, the king priest, blessed Abraham. And we are blessed too. When you believe the word of God, it will change your life. Okay? If you don't you don't have to believe what the world says. You can believe what God says. And I am blessed by the great most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Okay? Let's go back to Genesis. In Genesis 15, after these things, what, was, what happened in Genesis 14? The whole ordeal was Lot and Melchizedek. But after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Not only will I bless you, but I will protect you. God's not only got to... See, even the word salvation doesn't just mean prosperity. It also means deliverance. God will bless you, and then he will protect the, he will protect the blessing. God wants to bless you. And, every, and not, Don't make this whole thing about finances, even though I'm talking a lot heavily on finances. God wants to bless you. I don't know if I'm making sense or if this is just a little dry, but going back here, he says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to him and said, Abraham, don't be afraid. I am your shield and great reward. I understand there's a lot of things going on in the world. I understand there's a lot of things going on because of COVID. I understand there's a lot of problems maybe in your country, in your village, in your situation. But don't be afraid because God is your shield and he is your exceedingly great reward. I'm your shield to protect you. I'm your shield to protect the blessing. My covenant of blessing, I have already covenanted with you. He goes on to say, but Abraham said, But Lord, what will you give me, seeing I, am, I go childless? And the heir of my house is El Eliezer of Damascus. And then Abraham said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born of my house, house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. In verse 5, And then he brought him outside and said, Look now towards heaven, and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. God gave him a promise. He blessed him. <coughs> he said, I'm your shield and great reward. And then he took him outside and he said, Look at the stars. Look at the stars. If you can even count them. So sure your descendants be. You know, sometimes we need to change the image in our mind. Sometimes we are looking at, like Abraham, we're looking at what we don't have. All I have is Eliezer. I don't even have a child. Nothing wrong with Eliezer necessary. I don't know who he is so much. But at the same point in time, he's like, I'm childless. Abraham was focused. This all sounds good, God. But I'm childish. 
Some of you are listening to me right now. Pastor Dave, this all sounds good, but you don't understand my situation. This all sounds good, but sometimes you need to get your butt out of the way. Your B-U-T. Okay? I'm not trying to be vulgar. I'm just trying to make a point. We, you know, we sometimes we need to get a word picture. And we need to go count the stars. We need God to put a new vision in our mind. The Bible says without a vision, the people perish. If you can get, in other words, if God can get you to change the picture on the inside, he can change the picture on the outside. What are you believing? What are you believing? God is saying he wants to bless you. In other words, God says he has already blessed you. But you're, you're comparing your blessing to your circumstance. Are you going to believe God at his word? Or are you going to believe your circumstance more? Change the picture. <coughs> Where does the vision come from? Well, first of all, it says here in Psalm 37, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you. He will conceive in you. The desires of your heart. Commit your way to him. Trust also in him. And he will bring that desire to pass. Get a picture. Get a vision. Of what God has for you in your life. Do you have a vision about your village. And the people you want to reach and minister to. Your family. Their health and whatnot. Get that picture on the inside of you. That God has birthed in you. That God has conceived. And. Abraham, God's saying to Abraham, you, you're going to be the father of many nations, and he didn't have a child yet. At this age, he's he's already in his up, you know, he's already in his senior years. He's like, what? How, this sounds great, but how's it going to be? I don't even have one child yet. And I'm going to be the father of many nations. But he, God took him outside to go look, get a new picture. Stop looking at the circumstance. Stop looking at what you don't have, and start looking at what you do have. So if you need to stop looking at what you don't have. Stop looking how poor, how many, how low resources you have and start realizing that you are a child of the Most High God, blessed, blessed by the, the God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. Okay? Let's go back here to verse 6. And he, Abraham, believed in the Lord and he accounted it for righteousness. The blessing of the Lord God is not about the things that you do. The blessing of God is is on who you believe. Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. I'm blessed because I believe on Jesus. I'm not blessed because of what I do. I'm blessed because of who I believe. Okay? I have, I have done, like many of you, I have done many things in my life that have, would have disqualified me from the blessing. But Jesus has qualified me by his blood. So you might think that you're disqualified. And you're disqualified by your standard. The law may disqualify you. But Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You are qualified because you are his child. You are qualified by the blood of Jesus. I'm qualified for the best blessing of God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Colossians says it this way. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Jesus Christ has qualified us. So if you might not believe that, well, that's why you're not walking in the blessing. Uh, you know, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified. 
It doesn't say will qualify. He has, past tense, qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance. Going back to Genesis. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. This phrase, I am the Almighty God, is where we get the word El Shaddai. So that's what it means in Hebrew. And this El Shaddai means I am the Almighty God, I am the multi-breasted God, I am the God who is more than enough, and it also means I have so much sufficiency that you don't even have room enough to consume all the provisions that I have for you. That's what El Shaddai means. There is so much sufficiency, church. There is so much sufficiency in God that you don't even have enough room to contain all that he has for you. He is your El Shaddai. He is Almighty God. He's the multi-breasted God. He's the God of more than enough. And we're seeing that we're going to that third person here. I have six people to talk about. I don't know if I'll finish today. We'll probably have to pick up some of this next week. But God has blessed us. And we're looking at the first six men of, in, in the Old Testament, according to Scripture, and they were blessed. Okay? <clears throat> Again, back to Genesis. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you. In other words, I believe God is saying here, come into relationship with me. And I will multiply you exceedingly. Come into a covenant relationship with me. In other words, let's look at this. When you begin to understand who God is, and you begin to come into a relationship with Him, then you will begin to experience who God is in your life. Some of you, you don't have a right revelation of who God is. And because you don't have a right relationship who God is, and some of you don't even know that you need to come into a relationship with Him. And you are only, some of you, because you don't have a right understanding who God is, you are experiencing the God that you think He is. Some of you think God is way out there. Some of you are begging God to do something when God says, You are blessed. I've given you Jesus. And he who did not spare his own son, how much will he not give you all things? Know who God is. It says in Second John, verse John chapter three, verse one, and you shall be like him when you see him as he is. Know who God is, and when you understand who God is, and you come into relationship with God, who He really is, you will experience who God is in your life. We're talking about experiencing the blessing of God. In other words, we're talking about experiencing God. We're talking about experiencing a relationship with God. He's your Abba. He's your Savior. He's your healer. He's your provider. Come into relationship with Him. What do you need? What do you want? Know who God is because He is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ever ask or imagine according to His power. That works in you. What power works in you? The, the verse before that, I just quoted you Ephesians 3.20, but Ephesians 3.19 says that you are filled with the fullness of God. 
Peter wanted the four prayers of Paul that I'm going to be talking about in our next series. God wants you to understand his fullness. How do you understand his fullness? He says in verse 19, when you know his love, that surpasses knowledge, you will be filled with the very fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ever ask or imagine, and according to his power that is at work in you. What power? The fullness of God. You can't get more powerful than the fullness of God. If you have the fullness of God and you're looking for more power, and you have the fullness of God, you have God. You have his fullness. Do you need healing? Well, you have the fullness of God. The fullness of God means you have the healer. Do you need healing? Well, you have his fullness. You have the healer. Do you need provision? You have the provider. You need wisdom? You have the God of all wisdom. You need salvation? You have the God of, you have salvation. Whatever you need, you have his fullness. And when you understand who God is, and you come into relationship with him that surpasses knowledge, because that's what, what he means when he says to know his love, it means, it, it, the word know, denosco, it, it talks about being intimate with God. It talks about a relationship. When you know his love, you will be filled with the very fullness of God himself. The Amplified Bible says you will be filled overflowing with God himself. I want you to experience, you should be experiencing God. You should be able to experience it. Whatever situation you come across, when Jesus walked the earth, Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus gave a representation of God that most people never understood to that day. Even the term Father, no one called him Father until Jesus introduced that topic. None of the patriarchs called him Father. Jesus introduced that. He took it to another level of relationship. And Jesus did things that, I mean, people... John said he did so many miracles they couldn't even write them all down. But they couldn't, there wasn't even enough, there wouldn't be enough room on this planet for all the books and all the Jesus. He, I mean, he called, they marveled that he called the storm. They marveled that he cursed the big tree. He marveled what he did. When you understand who God is and you come into a relationship with him, you can experience the blessing of God wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whatever's going on. See, I am blessed by the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. Yeah, we just read about Genesis 14. And then Abraham fell on his face. He said, be blameless before me. And he fell on his face. And God talked with him and saying, you can't talk with somebody if you don't have a relationship. He talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be called Abraham for I have made you a father of many nations. And God changed his name. In other words, God changed his identity. It will be hard for some people, or let me rephrase this according to my notes here. It will be hard for some of you to prosper as long as you keep identifying with poverty. It will be hard for some of you to experience the blessing of God as long as some of you keep identifying with your circumstance. You need to change your identity. You need to think and talk differently. This is a key point that I want to make right here. You cannot do what God has called you to do with the wrong identity. Many people are asking, 
Why am I in, why am I in this mess? Why aren't things better? I have this problem. I have that problem. Some of you will even comment later. But Pastor Dave, you don't understand my situation. You don't understand what I'm going through. But you haven't changed the way you're thinking. As long as you keep thinking the way you always thought, you will always have what you always have. Let me say that again. As long as you keep thinking the way you've always thought, you will have what you've always had. That's a key thing. If, if, you, if you want, the, the, you know, the definition of insanity is keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. Some of us, including myself, but some of you also, keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. It's not going to work. That's called sanity. As long as you keep thinking, as long as you keep thinking the way you've always thought, you will always have what you always have. And as long as you keep talking the way you've always talked, you will keep, you will have what you've always had. But if you change the way that you think, you will have different results. If you change the way that what you say, you will have different results. But you can't keep doing the same thing expecting a different result. The, I mean, even the world calls that insanity. If you want different results, you have to change what you're doing. You have to change what you're thinking. You have to change what you're saying. It starts with, what do you believe? It starts with, how do you think. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Joshua says it this way, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to what is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You cannot be prosperous, and you cannot have good success, if you're not meditating on his word day and night. What are you thinking? What are you believing? Are you, some of us, you, you, might, you might read the Bible every day. You might quote and pray every day. But what are you meditating on day and night? <coughs> you, might spend some, you might spend a good chunk of time in the word. But are you, when you lay a bed at night, are you meditating on the problem? Are you meditating God's word? What is your most dominant thought? Because whatever your most dominant thought is, that's the direction your life is going. When you think the word of God, when you speak the word of God, and you take the actions of the word of God, you'll have the fruit. When you think the word of God, when you speak the word of God, and you take the actions of God, you'll have the fruit of God's word. I'm going to finish with this, and then we're going to close, we'll pick this up next week. But in Genesis 22, God told Abraham to offer up Isaac. Abraham takes a three-day journey to Moriah, where the Temple Mount will be built. Now Moriah... 
again, Mount Moriah, when Abraham in Genesis 22 took up Isaac, that was where the Temple Mount was going to be built several years later. But the angel of the Lord, as we know, stops Abraham, and he looks to the north, he looks behind him to the north at Calvary, and he sees a ram caught in the thicket. I believe, according to what I wrote here, is that Abraham, when he was on Mount Moriah, where the Temple Mount was going to be built, and he looked behind him because the angel of the Lord stopped him, and he looked behind him and saw a ram caught in the thicket. He was looking at Calvary, where the future Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, would die for our sins. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of the heavens the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, says the Lord, for because I have done the thing and have not withheld thy son, thy only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed, as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Jehovah Jireh. It means, it, well, first of all, it's the first redemptive name of God. Earlier this year, we, did, we talked about the seven different redemptive names of God, but this is the first one. And it's not just talking about the Lord our provider, even though it is. And it's not just talking about financial provision even though it is. Because this ram is also a type of Christ. All provision, all provision is in Christ, whatever you need. All provision is in Christ. So what do I mean by provision in Christ? Your forgiveness of your sins is in Christ. Peace in your mind is in Christ. Healing for your body is in Christ. Provision for your lack is in Christ, and everything you need is in Christ. In John it says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. The Lord has made provision. He is our Jehovah Jireh. And in the mount of the Lord it's been seen. Abraham saw in the mount of the Lord the cross, the gospel. Paul also quotes in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, the gospel was preached unto him. And Abraham took that ram and he offered it in place of his son. And Mount Moriah in Genesis 22. Jesus, our worthy lamb, in the same place, offered himself in our place. And John 1 29 says, and because how do I know that he's a worthy lamb? Because John the Baptist said, Jesus come, he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus took our death and he gave us life in the same way that Abraham did. Let me close with this. I said I was going to close with my last one, but let me close with this. I want to finish Abraham and then we'll get into Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph next week. Okay? But in Genesis 24, verse 1, Now Abraham was old and well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So what did Abraham do? Abraham sent his servants to get a wife for his son Isaac. And he meets Rebekah, who is a nice, nice to him, his servant. 
And in Genesis 24, 27, And he, the servant, said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not forsaken his mercy and his truth towards his master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. He meets Rebekah, but Laban, who was Rebekah's brother, ran out to meet him. We pick up the story in verse 31. And he, Laban, said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camel. In verse 34, And so he, the servant, said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly. And he has become great, and he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold, male and female servants and camels and donkeys. See, the covenant of blessing unto Abraham was this. First of all, let me just say this. The covenant is spoken of over and over again. There was there's nine different times between Genesis 12 and Genesis 24 that the covenant that God spoke to Abraham is spoken of over and over again. And we see the manifestation of that blessing over and over again. Several scriptures account Abraham's blessing to the Lord. It wasn't because he worked hard. Did he work hard? I believe he did. But at the same point in time, it counts his blessing as coming from God. Let me just say this, and I'll, I'll pick up here next week. But I don't believe in generational curses. Because we're talking about the blessing of the Lord. Sometimes we've got to look at the other side. Curses. Why do I not believe in generational curses? First of all, Galatians says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, as written curse of everyone who hangs on the tree. I believe this speaks of every curse. Okay, because I can tie every curse to them all. Okay? I just got going out here. I believe that includes every curse. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. I don't believe there is any generational curse you can inherit from your father, God. If you are born again, he's your father. And there is no generational curse you can get from your father. I don't believe in generational curses. And I'm not receiving any generational curses. But I do believe in generational blessings. Okay. And we're going to look at in the next uh, next week, when we come back next week, we talked a lot about Abraham today. We talked briefly about Adam and Noah. Next week we're going to talk about generational blessings because we're going to be talking about Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, which are the, generation, the generations that came after Abraham. Okay. Going back as we close this, I want to echo what Melchizedek said to Abraham. He said, Blessed be the Abraham God of Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him that law. Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver, it says. And I just want to end with this. God spoke the blessing to Abraham over nine times. And nine times we see him operating the blessing just, just like the verse that we just read. I don't know if this is making sense to you. I don't know if this is coming across as dry or whatnot. I'm going to get into more in, uh, detail next week and then even the following week uh, we're going to talk about the priestly blessing. Let me just conclude by saying this. You know, why am I teaching on this? Folks, I believe most of us, including myself, are operating too little of what God has asked for us. 
I am not trying to make prosperity more important than the, 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 the gospel. I believe prosperity is part of the gospel. I don't call it the prosperity gospel. I call it the gospel of Jesus Christ, which includes being blessed. I believe we need to be blessed so that we can be a blessing to the world. I also believe, and I'm going to get into this a lot, 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 lot more next week, but I also believe that we need to be blessed so that we can be an advertisement to the world how God treats his kids. I believe when we, we're going to especially look at this with Isaac, where the Philistines envied Isaac because he was blessed during the time of, and we, we're also going to see with Isaac, and we're going to see with Jacob, and we're going to even going to see with Joseph, that the blessing did not depend on circumstances. Isaac was blessed during a time of famine. When the whole world was in famine, Isaac was blessed. When Jacob was running for his life because there was a family feud between Esau and Jacob, and Laban tried to change his wages ten times, Jacob was still blessed. No matter what Laban did to him, no matter what Esau, how much Esau hated him, Jacob was blessed. Joseph was blessed. No matter what his brothers did to him, whether he was in Potiphar's house, whether he was in prison, or whether he was in Father's house, or whether he was in Pharaoh's house, he was blessed wherever he was. Pharaoh became the richest man on the planet because of Joseph. Potiphar was blessed because of Joseph. Laban was blessed because of Jacob. And you don't find it, you know, a lot of people don't like prosperity, but it's a blessing of the Lord that makes one rich and they add no sorrow to it. But you don't see one story of the patriarchs in the, in the beginning of in the Genesis, the book, of, the book of beginnings, where one of them was, was blessed to be poor. You're going to see, as we, get into, to, uh, as we get into this generational blessings, that Abraham was blessed, and it says that Isaac was very blessed, and it was, you'll see that Jacob was extremely blessed, and then you'll see that Joseph was the prime minister of Egypt. And so, I believe the kingdom, of, the kingdom of God is the kingdom of increase. I believe that we are blessed going in and blessed going out, that we are the people of God. We are, are, we are, we are blessed in our storehouse. Not just so we can gloat in our blessing. And I, you know, if we get to the point where our blessing, we're trusting our blessing more than we're trusting God, then that, that is when mammon gets in the way and we get into problems. But we are blessed to be a blessing. God has, and we're going to look at eventually in our last segment of this whole teaching that God has commanded his blessing on us. He's commanded it. And we need to walk in it. And I believe so many of us are walking too little into what God has for us. I, you know, just like I, I'm, getting ahead, I'm teaching next week's lesson, but the Philistines envied Isaac. And I believe in some ways we should be the envy of the world. Because we're the light of the world, we're the salt of the earth. Where people should, we should be an advertisement and say, "I want what you have. I want what God." Not just because we want the blessing. I'm not talking about people wanting to become rich like Simon the sorcerer, where Peter said, "Let your let your uh, money perish with you." I, I'm not talking about a heart condition that is warped. I'm talking about we are the people of God, and I believe many of us are living too little under the blessing of God. That some of us are gloating that we're poor as a church mouse. And the best thing we can have is a bake sale or a garage sale or a rubber sale. 
we are supposed to be, the Bible says we're supposed to be a lender of many and a borrower of none. We are the head and not the tail, above, not beneath. We are blessed and we are not cursed. We're the people of God. And and why are the people of God more poor than the world? That's backwards. We're blessed. And we need to experience the blessing of God. Because the blessing of God, there's no sorrow to it. That means also that that our blessing doesn't have our heart. God has our heart. Okay? There's no sorrow to it. When it's God. And uh, anyway, here my heart. I believe we need to be walking in the blessing. And uh, anyway, Lord, we just worship you. We magnify you. Lord, I pray that, that all who are listening are getting my heart. Lord, some of us need to debunk some sick of cows on the subject of prosperity. Yes, we want to do everything decently and in order. We don't want to, to serve the God of Mammoth. At the same point in time, we can serve the God of Mammoth whether we are rich or we are poor. And Lord, we also want to walk in the fullness that you have for us. Because there's a world out there that needs Jesus. And may not our religion, I pray Lord that our religious pride would not get so arrogant that we are limiting God in our lives. We worship you and we magnify you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock as we talk about effortless change. Amen.